Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Meet Donna. She has had hypothyroidism for almost 10 years, and while medication was helping at first, she found herself slipping back into the fatigue, the weight gain, and just feeling off. After many rounds to various doctors, she was finally diagnosed with Hashimoto's. She'd likely had Hashimoto's this whole time, but unfortunately, no one has tested her antibodies up to this point. Donna loves researching and found this podcast in my page, and so she started following a lot of the recommendations. The thing is that Donna has four children, and she works quite a bit. And she was already feeling very overwhelmed trying to manage it all. And now she added in changing her diet and taking vitamins, tending to her nervous system, and also trying to move her body. Needless to say, she was very stressed and didn't know how she could possibly get it all done while taking care of herself. And especially on days when she just really didn't feel well. I knew exactly where to look to help her solve her health mystery without allowing the stress to derail her. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about how much Donna has on her plate and joining me on the show today to talk much more about this and how we can optimize time is Megan Sumrall. Megan is the time management expert and she's on a mission to bring work and life harmony to people all over the world through all things time management, organization, and productivity. Megan, I'm so excited to have you on Health Mystery Solved. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. So we've all heard the phrase, so much to do, so little time, right? But is it really that it's too little time or is it how we use our time? That's a great question. And I think it's a little bit of both. I think so many people jump into, oh, no, the reason you're not getting it all done is because you're not planning your time well. Eh, Not always. The world that we live in today is very different than the world of 20 years ago or even 10 years ago in terms of expectations um, that are sometimes that we put on ourselves or we allow others to put on us. And I do, even in my own life, looking back to 15 years ago to today, 
the number of things that I am juggling has grown quite a bit. So I think it is a mix of both where we have more coming at us than, than maybe we used to, but we have then not shifted the way that we are planning and managing our time to help us figure out what what is really doable and what's not. So I think it's a mixture of both. Now, why is it that when people know what they have to do, why is it hard for them to manage it? Even if it is, you know, things that, you know, I know it's more things, I get that, but even with the things that they normally do that maybe they've managed before, but can't seem to all of a sudden. Yeah. And there's a couple reasons that typically that happens. So reason number one is the onslaught of distractions that we all are typically facing and usually in the form of technology. Now, I I love technology. I spent over 20 years of my life as building a career in technology. So I'm not a technology hater. But if you don't know how to control your technology, it will control you. So if you, you know, maybe you have the exact same amount of stuff to do 15 years ago that you do today and you find you're having a hard time doing it, it's likely because you have an increase of distractions and interruptions through the forms of, you know, notifications, sounds, texts. People can reach us and so much easier than before, right? And we live in a world with where we have Amazon Prime now, right? Like I want it, I want it right now. And so when we couple all of the distractions and interruptions that are coming at us, it can feel like suddenly we have more to do. We don't, we're just not, we don't have the areas of focus that we're used to having. And secondly, another big shift is again, most people are operating in what I call just-in-time living, where you've got your list of stuff for today. And so it's like, okay, these are the things that I need to do just today. And they can't see past that. And so if they're looking at their list of things to do today, and then something comes in that kind of creates a pivot, something unplanned happens for the day, whether it's physical, whether it's an external thing, you know, the water heater breaks, whatever, because they don't have the systems in place to accommodate change, then everything gets derailed. It's like, oh my gosh, now I got to move all this to tomorrow and pile on all of tomorrow's stuff as well. So it kind of creates a snowball effect. Mm, that's such a good point. And that's something that Donna was dealing with as well. She had to-do lists on top of to-do lists on top of to-do lists. And speaking of to-do lists, just having gotten to know you a little bit, you don't actually necessarily recommend to-do lists. Do not. So <laughs> if people get very, um, this is very personal for a lot of people. Now, lists have their time and place. I love a list just as much as the next person. There is nothing better than checking something off, even to the point Sometimes when we make a list, the first thing we put on it is make a list just so we can check it off as soon as we've made the list, right? I love but, that. It's just, it feels so good. <laughs> I know. Like, but here's, here's the thing that people need to understand. A task list is not the same thing as a plan. So what we need to do is learn how to take the, the list, the traditional to-do list of here is everything that I need to get done. And then learn how to turn it into a plan, which layers in the when am I doing it and how long do I expect it to take? Because if you just have a task list, I think the easiest analogy I can, I can give with this is, you know, if I were to hand you a grocery list and just say, here's a list of 15 things that I want you to go buy, and that's all I give you. 
And then I just hand you an envelope and just said, the money's in here. You have no idea what's in there. And then you go to the grocery store, you get everything on the list, you get to the cash register, and now you open up the envelope and they're like, oh, it's $50 of groceries. And you look and all you have is a $20 bill. Are they going to let you leave the grocery store with all $50 of groceries? Of course not. They're going to make you put $30 back. Now, if you'd walked in with the list and the $20 and you knew that was your budget, now you might be trying to make choices of, well, I can't get this or let me bargain shop between these two. How can I make this work? So when we're operating from just this wake up, do your brain dump, make your task list, and then gentlemen, you know, hit the ground running, right? And the goal is to try and check off everything before we go to bed. We're not even giving ourselves the opportunity to say, number one, is this even feasible? Do I have enough time to get all of this done? We oftentimes are not layering in ways to make it more efficient. So maybe your to-do list today included an errand and your to-do list tomorrow includes an errand. Well, if you'd just gone out once in one of those two days and knocked out both at the same time, you would have saved a bunch of time, right? And it's also missing prioritization. So at the end of the day, maybe you got two thirds of your list done, but the third that wasn't might've been what was the most important things that you should have been spending your time on today. So again, a, a list isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you're not turning it into an, an actual realistic plan, it, it can just keep you living almost like that hamster on the hamster wheel feeling. I can definitely understand that feeling. I feel that a lot. Yeah. So yeah, and I think just the way you explained it with the grocery list, because oftentimes we, you know, I know myself and so many people aren't thinking about how long it's going to take. And then you feel like a failure at the end of the day, right? Because it's like, oh, I only got three out of the five things, but it was only five things. Like, why couldn't I accomplish five things? Like, it's just five things, but they might take five hours each, right? Yeah. And just like if you went, you know, you pulled out the $20 bill at the grocery store, you're not going to feel like a failure because you're going to be like, uh, there's no way this is doable. I only have $20. But we're not applying that same thought process to our time. And that's why I love kind of using that as a good analogy, because I think, realize it's it's the same principles. We have a budget. We have an available balance of time every day, every week, every month. And so we need to know what it is so that then we can better create better plans for how we're going to spend it. Now, in terms of priorities, this is something that a lot of people have trouble coming up with. They know the things they have to do. And especially when we're dealing with health issues, sometimes we can have brain fog or, you know, we could just feel overwhelmed because there are supplements to take, there's foods to make, there's groceries to go get, there's families to take care of and everything else. So do you have any tips on making the priorities or how do we do that? Is it, do we make a priority list? Yeah. So, I mean, I really like to lean on, it's a little bit of a melding of a lot of different prioritization matrices that people have seen out there. And I think the biggest thing that people, we all struggle with is when you are in a state of overwhelm, like you are truly feeling kind of panicky and anxious and overwhelmed. It is really important to understand that there's nothing wrong with you. This is science. The chemicals that are going on in your brain are actually putting you into that kind of fight or flight mode which means that we make irrational decisions. We're not bad people. We're not unintelligent. When we are in that place, the chemicals that are changes that are happening in our brains and in our bodies are making us not make good choices. And this is what le leads us to a place sometimes where you're looking at a list of you know, 20 things 
and you're looking at it and in your brain, you're going, they're all important. Every single thing is, is important. The fact that I haven't vacuumed my house in four days now becomes a prior, you know, in our brain, we're freaking out and we're layering that to the same level of importance as maybe, you know, a prescription that needs to be refilled because you're out and you need it tonight. So one of the tools that I like to give people is to say, okay, when you're feeling in that place of panic, this is where a list is okay, but it's for, it's a tool, not your action plan is to just take a minute, set your clock to five minutes. You're not allowed to spend more than five minutes here and write down everything that is stressing you out that you think needs to be done. Anything that comes to mind, no matter how silly or you're not thinking about, do I have to do it to just all the stuff that's making you feel anxious. Once you've done that, walk away for about 10 minutes because now you're going to give your brain a chance to start to relax a little bit because the fact that you've gotten it out of your head and somewhere where you can see it will start to relax your brain. And so give yourself a few minutes, like walk away. Then when we come back, now we can come back with fresh eyes. And what we're looking at on that list is what on here is truly a have to in the next 24 hours, or there is a negative consequence to me. And understanding that, because there may be some have to's, but if you didn't do it, like, hmm, is it really the end of the world? So, you know, silly example, a coupon, maybe there's an expiration date. If I don't log on and use that coupon today, it expires tomorrow. But maybe when you've walked away and you come back, you're like, yeah, but did I really need another pack of socks that the coupon was for? Or in my case, a pair of shoes that always feels urgent to me. <laughs> um, so really coming back with fresh eyes and saying, what is a true have to in the next 24 hours? And now you get to pull out just those few things Go look at your calendar, like the realities of your life where you're tracking appointments and things that you've committed to. And now you get to create a plan to say, okay, when specifically am I going to tackle just those few things that truly are the next 24 hours? And then you get to go into motion with a much smaller focused thing that your brain has gone, okay, yeah, this is what's important. And then a day later, now you can come back and look at the rest with fresh eyes. And now maybe you can tackle and say, okay, what are the have tos on here for the next 48 hours? And so what you're doing is just starting to calm your brain down, get out of overwhelm, start getting in motion. Cause once you get in motion, it's easier to stay in motion, but you're doing it with a laser focus instead of that feeling of like, I've got a thousand things and they're all urgent and important feeling to me at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, in terms of planning, do you like to do planning over several days or a week or a month? Because I know with the to-do list, it tends to be daily and you explained really well as to why that doesn't work. What would be better? Yeah. So the foundation of everything where I start everyone is teaching them a weekly planning process. I'm trying to think, I don't want to, don't want to lie here, but to my knowledge, I have yet to work with anyone that has not found that weekly planning is a sustainable thing for them. And I'm talking about even people that work lifestyles where they're on call, um, people that have chronic illnesses where, you know, they're not sure how they're going to feel from day to day. Creating a weekly plan is far enough out into the future that you can start 
thinking about some of those longer term projects that maybe you want to break up and say, okay, well, on Monday, I can do this part. On Tuesday, I can do that part, right? So we can start to make progress on those things, but it's not so big that we lack all predictability, right? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pretend to plan on something I could do three months from today. I don't know what that day is going to look like. Um, but I like to start everybody at a weekly planning process. When you do that, gets to be up to you for your life. Like for me, I do mine on Sundays for the next week. I have some students that work um, shift work. And so their weekend is kind of Monday, Tuesday. So they do their planning on Wednesday. So there's no rule to what that window is, but having that seven day plan really helps give you clarity in terms of when and how to really lean into efficiencies. That's such a good idea. And I think most people really think of it from day to day or really long-term sometimes, right? Like this year I have to- Yeah, they're really good at this strategic dreaming and the goal setting, right? Right. And, And they've got their planner. And this is why I tell everyone, don't ever purchase a planner that is one page per day. Because all you're buying is a notebook to write a to-do list on. Mm-hmm. You can't see enough information to make good choices. So I always recommend if you're not digital and you, I'm still a paper planner person, you need a planner that is the week at the view. So when you open it up, you're seeing your whole week. And it needs to be a planner that actually has the hours of the day, not just a blank rectangle for Monday and a blank rectangle for Tuesday. Because that's not going to allow you to truly see with clarity how the the whole reason you're using a planner is to understand what is my budget? How much time do I really have once I start plugging in things that I'm committed to already for the week? Now, what would you say to those who might be thinking, well, this sounds hard. You know, if I have to look at a whole week, you want me to actually think about everything for the week? That's going to take me a lot of time. I'm just going to wing it and do it. Everything is hard the first time we do it, right? Until we get a muscle memory. And so even think back to you know, learning how to ride a bike. As an adult, I rarely get on one, but when I get on one, I can ride it because I, I rode it for so long, it's muscle memory. And it was really hard as a kid to learn how to do that, right? Well, the same is true with anything. So for folks that are just learning how to do the full weekly planning process that I teach, it can take some people 30, 45 minutes to create their plan for the week when they're first learning. That's not very long though. No, it really isn't. Um, But if you've never sat down and put that much thought into planning, it feels like a lot. I do my weekly planning process most weeks in 10 minutes or less. If it's a kind of a complicated week, it'll take me no more than 15. And so that 15 minute time investment, I get paid back a hundredfold because I'm operating from a plan. And so we shift out of being reactive with that daily task list, right? Where it's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And instead I get to sit down and say, I'm, I know what's next. I created the plan. And so now I'm very proactive. I start my day with a plan of attack instead of asking, okay, what do I need to do today? So the the time investment that you put into creating the plan is something, again, even back to thinking about running errands. If I create a weekly plan and I see I've got four kind of errands I need to do that week, and then I, I find a way where I find a pocket of time where I can go out and do it all at once, I'm probably going to save 45 minutes to an hour already just by putting that level of thought in place. 
Right. That's such a good point. One of the things that I always talk about with my patients is to think about their food for the week. So it's kind of similar, right? So, you know, sometimes you want to buy fresh food. You may need to go to the store more than once a week, but you can buy the bulk of it and think of your recipes on a Sunday. You can cook things in bulk. And then the other thing is taking supplements. A lot of people take lots of different supplements depending on what would they have going on. And while it doesn't seem hard to just open a bottle and take some supplements out, and people do come to me and say, oh, you know, I forgot my supplements today and I forgot them yesterday and I just can't seem to get all of that together. And so I tell them, you know, take your supplements and put them out in, you know, a little like Monday through Friday container. And I have some people that even put it out for the month. And yeah, it takes a little bit longer. It takes maybe 15, 20 minutes to do that, but then it's all right there. You don't have to untwist uh, bottles and the caps and put them away in cabinets and, you know, figure out which, you know, some are in the fridge, some are here. And we do that. And I, so I, I have the little Monday through Friday thing for all the kind of vitamin for me and for my family. And that is part of our Sunday process as well. I love that you brought that up. I really encourage people. We, I'm not a meal prep person per se. Like I don't enjoy standing in the kitchen for three hours, chopping vegetables for the whole week, but we do meal plan. So we as a family decide, okay, what are we having for dinners for the upcoming week? Who needs what for lunch, breakfast, et cetera, so that we can go to the store once, get, you know, we have the plan in place. And then to your point, usually Wednesday or Thursday midweek, we know we're going to have to make a trip for fresh produce, but we know that. And it's truly just running in and grabbing, you know, the fresher produce that we need. And just the, the decision fatigue that you get rid of by doing that once a week. There is nothing for anyone listening out there. There's a mom, like there's nothing we hate more than what's the endless what's for dinner question. Like no one told me I was going to have to answer that for the rest of my life because I got married and started a family. Right. And so us deciding it as a family, and then it gets written down and everybody knows, and we could choose, like we might change. Hey, we thought we were going to do like this week. We planned on Taco Tuesday. And on Tuesday, we all went, no, we picked something else that we'd already shopped for and said, let's have tacos on Thursday instead. So you can move things around, but oh, that decision fatigue just being gone is so nice. And that's a great time to just sit out. When, usually when we're doing that is when we're putting our little you know supplement things together for the week and it's just all taken care of. Yeah. And a little bit of togetherness while you're doing all that, which is always nice too. Yeah. A lot of times when people look at their week, it seems like there's all this time and there may be, or maybe not. Maybe not. So <laughs> what do you recommend there? Because I think there could be deceiving, I guess. Yes. So I'm going to share one of the steps in my weekly planning process that I think is the most eye-opening for everybody. So most people currently have some form of a calendar where they are writing down things they've committed to, doctor's appointments, meetings, et cetera, right? And maybe it's digital, maybe it's on a Google calendar, maybe it's on a paper calendar. And so at the start of a week, even, if you were to look at just that calendar, you might see, look at that, I only have like four appointments this week. I have all the time in the world. So then what do we do? We make the huge task list and we've got our calendar over here on one side. We've got our task list over here on the other. And again, this just perpetuates the problem. Um, so one of the steps in the weekly planning process is once your commitments are in there, the things you've already said yes to at specific dates and times, before we start cramming our calendar with all the stuff on our list is I encourage people to visually capture what I call your busy being busy time. 
Meaning you're awake, you're in motion, but you know that there's stuff going on at these pockets of your days and weeks where you are not going to be able to get anything on your list done. So what do I mean by that? You know, in my life, I wake up very early, either 5, 15 or 6 in the morning, and I am in motion. I am doing my morning routine. I am walking the dog. I'm exercising. I'm cooking breakfast, packing lunches, like all the way up until 8.30. I'm in motion, but nothing on that traditional task list is getting done during that time because I'm usually in service to others and busy being busy. I'm also at a stage of life right now. I have a young daughter. So when the school day ends... Usually from that all the way through to the dinner hour, it's activities and homework, or I've had a bad day and we need to talk. There's a lot of things happening in that three and a half to four hour window. I know if I were to not visually see that, my calendar looks like I've got all the time in the world. But by just layering in the realities of your life in your calendar, kind of almost think of it as taking withdrawals of time it all of a sudden paints a very different picture about how much time you have. You know, maybe you've got um, a health issue right now that might be taking, meaning that you're going to need a good two, three hours to get up and going every day, right? Well, usually that's not captured on our calendar. So maybe you need to visually find a way to block that off on your calendar to remind yourself, you know what? I'm not going to be able to get anything done really before 10 a.m. And I'm going to acknowledge that. And I'm going to capture that on my calendar so that when I'm looking at how much time I have, I'm seeing that time is already committed, but in a more, in a less traditional way that most people don't capture on their calendar. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. And I think seeing that committed time, I mean, that was very eye-opening for me when I did your training, because I realized very similar to you between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., in motion, doing stuff, but nothing's getting done. And then same thing after school and then bedtime, really from like three to eight most days. Yeah. And, but it was, it was very, it's eye opening, but it was also just kind of shocking at the same time. Cause I'm like, how am I trying to squeeze all of this when I only have this many hours? Because literally six hours of my day is taken and then the other eight are taken by sleep. So it really made me adjust a lot of things. And, some people are very hesitant to do that because they're like, well, that's depressing. Like, well, how am I supposed to get anything done, right? Just as sometimes people don't want to look at a bank account that maybe doesn't have a lot of money. Well, the knowledge empowers you to make really good choices about how you're going to spend your time, right? If you know, oh man, I really only have four hours to you know maybe work on projects and get things done. Now you're going to feel so much more comfortable on what you say no to. And you're going to be a lot more selective about what you say yes to. So don't look at it as this horrible news. Look at it as, wow, now I am empowered and informed to be really intentional about my yeses and my my noes. And it also helps me sometimes get rid of some of the guilt that I might feel for the things that aren't getting done. Maybe my house isn't as clean this week. Maybe, you know, something else, maybe this work thing didn't get done this week. And because I'm seeing the reality of my time, it lets me go, yeah, and I'm okay with that. Because the little time I had, I spent on the things that were most important. And my floor being clean really didn't rank up there with these other things that that I chose to spend my time on. Now, for Donna, 
because she had a lot of different health issues, she had good days and she had bad days. And, you know, some days she felt really foggy. Other days she was energetic and she felt like she could do everything. And then she would do too much and then was knocked down on her butt and needed to rest. So she always found it hard to plan ahead. And she always felt like, oh, there's all these things, but I don't know when it's going to get done because I just don't know how I'm going to feel tomorrow. What advice do you have for that? So I like to call this concept um, learning how to plan for uncertainty. Um, And everybody has some form of uncertainty in their life, whether it is from a health issue or maybe from, you know, uh, last minute travel or you know, whatever it is. We all have things that I don't know anyone that can create a plan for the week and then execute it perfectly without life throwing them a curveball, right? So the first step is really understanding on average for your own personal life, how much uncertainty is there. So for some people, it might be on a daily basis that they realize, you know what, I feel like two to three hours of every single day gets hijacked by things that I could not plan for, but I need to take control of. Or maybe it's a, you know, I feel like on average, I'm noticing two to three days a week are days where I just need to be in rest mode. Or yours might even be at a monthly level. Maybe you look at over the course of a month and say, it seems like on average, you know, 30% of my days, I'm, I'm kind of down for the count. So knowing that now empowers us to be able to plan for that. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to create a plan for the week and just assume that I'm going to feel great every single day, Donna might start to realize, you know what, at least one to two days a week, I know that I I typically wake up and it's, it's not going to be a great day. So what this allows you to do is you're still going to do your weekly planning, but you're going to plan for two days where you're not putting anything on. You're not going to say, I'm going to, you are actually going to plan for working with a five day budget instead of a seven. And then if you wake up one day and it's a day where today's the day I can't get in motion, anything that maybe you'd put on your plan for that day now can just get shifted to kind of that free space that you leave on your calendar. And so for me, I'm in a stage of life right now where I keep kind of two big chunks at different times of the week just open on my calendar. I don't let time, I don't let anyone book that time. And so when something comes in that hijacks what I was supposed to be doing, and now I have to do something else, I can take that work or whatever that activity is and move it into that white space. And so now I'm not, it's not triggering that anxiety of what am I going to, I'm not going to get it done. Like you can say, nope, I had planned to have open time and Tomorrow, if I wake up and feeling better, that's when I'll do it. It's when we overcommit, then one thing comes at us and then the dominoes start down, right? So it really starts with acknowledging what you what is reasonable for you to plan for in terms of your time. Mm, that's really, really smart. And it makes sense then to plan for the week so that you have those days because otherwise you know, you're not going to know which is which and you have that leeway there. Yeah. And it it kind of tied back to the to-do list. If if you went to bed that night before with a huge list, that's probably going to start making you feel anxious and might cause you to wake up and feel like, now I can't tackle the day because your poor body has been like panicking all night long. Mm -hmm. So when we can see the space on our calendar, it allows us to, uh, 
more gracefully accommodate that. Now, what would you say to those who might be feeling like, okay, they'll do their plan and they see that, okay, their morning hours are being taken up by something, their evening hours are taken up. So they have a certain amount, say three or four hours in a day to do things, but the things that they feel they should be doing or have to be doing, right? Or need to be doing actually take up more time because they may never have counted it, but when they actually wrote it down, it's like, well, wait, I have seven hours of stuff. How am I going to fit it in? This is when a list is good. We need to start creating your to don't list. So just as back to the grocery store example, the cashier is not going to let you walk out of the door with that $50 of groceries with a $20 bill. You, your only choice is to take something off your plate or sleep less, right? And sleep less is never the solution. It is, ne- I, I can't stress that enough. It is never the solution. <laughs> so this is where a lot of people say, but I have to do it all. I guarantee you, you don't have to do all of it. Um, just as, you know, if I were to look at my house and I mean, it's a kind of a sad analogy, I guess. Uh, if my house caught on fire, if someone were to say, Megan, like, what are all the most important things you could never lose? I would come up with a million things in my home that are precious to me. But if my house were on fire and they said, you get to walk in and take one handful of stuff out, I'm going to be forced to make the change of what is the most important, right? And I'm going to have to let some stuff go. So the same is true with all of the things that are competing for our time. Now, when I'm looking at a to-don't list, um, a a good way to start is to look at maybe the seven hours of stuff that you've thought you either should or need to do and you only have four hours available, is I like to do a pass-through on it and say, okay, of this, what on here are things I really don't like doing? I'm not saying they don't have to get done. I mean, eventually someone's got to do the laundry around here. But I always start with, okay, let's pare this down to what on this list are things that really you don't enjoy doing? Now we get to get creative and say, okay, what might be a way to get this off of your to-do list And it's either going to happen in the form of sometimes we realize I don't have to do this at all. I've just, I feel I've got shooted into doing it, right? So one solution sometimes is to be like, you know what? I'm not doing it anymore. The next solution is to say, maybe it is something that has to get done, but how do I get it off of my responsibility and onto somebody else's? And this is again, where people instantly say, well, I can't afford to hire that. There are a lot of really creative ways to leverage getting things off your plate that don't require the form of money. So maybe there is a services that you can trade with somebody else, right? Where maybe you're doing something for them that you enjoy and they're taking something off your plate. I always encourage people to start within your own four walls. So it was very eye-opening whenever I start to feel like things are accumulating onto my list in a non-equitable fashion We'll sit down as a family and we'll write it out. Here's everything that it takes to make our household run. Now let's look at who's doing what on this list. And so I let the information speak for itself. So that gives us the opportunity to say, this doesn't seem right. And what's fascinating with most families, mine included, when you go through that, we've uncovered there were things on my list that I detest doing that my spouse is like, I don't mind that so much. And who knew, right? I was just over there doing the martyrdom thing of no, but it's always been me. So having that conversation with other people in your support network of here's everything that's on my plate 
here are the things that, you know, I and only I can do versus here are things that other people can do. Let's brainstorm together on maybe how can we start to reduce the things that are on my load to actually outsource, whether it's in a trade service, maybe another family member picks it up, or in some cases, maybe you shift finances around, which is what we did as a family to be able to get some help with cleaning. We all agreed that there were things that we'd be willing to give up to allocate those funds elsewhere. And I think it probably also has to do with stage in life, right? So when someone's dealing with a health issue, absolutely, if they're working on it and they need to eat in a certain way and they need to take more supplements than maybe normal or they need to do a certain amount of physical activity that maybe they haven't done before, they prioritize that. And then maybe, like you were saying, the counters and the floors don't get as clean, but usually these things aren't forever. And so as their health gets better, and then they get more um, energized and clear and strong, then they'll be able to take some of those other things on, right? Yeah, 100%. We can't keep adding more stuff to our plate and expecting that we can continue to find ways to accommodate it, right? So maybe three years ago, you could handle a certain level of responsibility, tasks, et cetera, And now here you're in a stage of life where you are working through a health-related issue that demands two hours every day, whether it's exercise, healthcare, whatever it is, you can't expect to just now add two more hours onto your day and go, and I should just be able to fit it in. It's not possible, right? You're going to have to remove two other hours of stuff from your life to make room for that. And I think that the sooner people can stop, this is why I hate the word like hack that people use. Oh, I've got this time-saving hack. People are mis, I feel people sometimes are misleading others into thinking that there is a way to magically create more time in your day. There is not. Now, there are ways to get more efficient. There are ways to use your time wisely. There might be ways to get a few things done quicker. But at the end of the day, you there is a breaking point where simply you cannot add more. You just can't. Yeah. And that's a very, very good point. And I think people need to give themselves that permission to understand that and know that this is what they could do today. And that's okay because it's not going to be forever and things are going to wax and wane. And the more that we can, of course, take care of ourselves, especially when we're not well, the quicker we're going to heal. And the quicker then we can get back to doing other things, but hopefully in a more calm and managed and planned kind of way. Yeah. And if you, I mean, especially struggling with a health issue, the last thing you need is to pile guilt on for what's not getting done, right? Like think of a new mom, right? Maybe she's home with a a five-day-old baby. Would anyone walk into that new mom's house and expect it to be crystal clean? Of course not. We would all be like, oh my God, sleep when the baby sleeps. Like, how can I help you? It's no different, right? You suddenly now just added all these hours of responsibility onto someone's life. Well, if you are now in a, a stage of life where you are needing to focus and prioritize a large chunk of time on your physical and or mental well-being, realize that that is important and it's a season and some other stuff may fall aside and then it will be there. It's not going anywhere (laughs) when the time is right to slowly start adding those in. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think people really, really, really need to hear that because there's so much guilt and shame and 
all sorts of emotions that go about like, why can't I, I need to be superwoman. I need to, you know, no, you don't. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Or yes, you do. But how you are superwoman is by being superwoman for yourself. Right. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Megan, this has been so helpful. And it's really just, it's different than what you hear about. Because as you mentioned, a lot of times on social media, on the internet, even in the news, here's the hack. You could do this faster. You could do more of this. You could cram all this in. And it just creates more of like, uh, and like that stress. And we just don't need that ever, especially if we're dealing with health issues. So this is really, really, really helpful. I know that it'll be so beneficial for so many people. Now, for those that want to contact you or connect with you, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm very easy to find out. Out, um, on Instagram or Facebook, you can just find me at Megan Sumrall. I produce free time management trainings every single week out on both of those platforms. And obviously, if you're listening here, you're a podcast listener. Uh, so I would love to invite you to come check out my podcast, which is the Work Life Harmony. So you can just uh, search for Work Life Harmony. They're very short, again, actionable time management tips that I share out there every week as well. That's wonderful. I'll, I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Megan. This is great. Thank you. As you just heard, there are many misconceptions about managing time and how we think about planning, as well as the available time that we have, which makes a big difference. Donna has never done more than a daily to-do list, and that to-do list has only gotten longer and longer, so no wonder she was overwhelmed. After figuring out the exact diet and supplements that she needed based on her thyroid type and her Hashimoto's triggers that we got from her test results we started to come up with ways to better plan ahead and not just day to day so that she can do all of the things that she needed to for her health. From weekly food shopping to laying out her supplements one to two weeks in advance to actually understanding that she needed more time for herself really made a difference. She never gave herself the permission to shift her priorities in the past and doing this really helped. She was also shocked as to how much her older kids were able to take on when she asked them and then gave herself a pass on the things that didn't absolutely needed to be done right now. The shift in perspective gave her more peace of mind and that allowed her nervous system to calm more. And as you know, the calmer your nervous system, the quicker your body can heal. If Donna sounds like someone you know, and for anyone that has ever told you that they're too busy or they don't have enough time, please share this episode with them. I know it will give them many tools so that they can really start to optimize their time and feel less stressed and less overwhelmed. And as always, when it comes to your health issues, please, please do not give up. There's always something that you can do. You just have to look in the right place. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.